0: Amen, Amen. and amen again. How's everybody doing today? Well, amen, amen. Well, without any further ado, we would like to go ahead and turn to the New Testament book of Ephesians, one of the Pauline, the letters of Paul, one of the Pauline epistles, that church that Paul has written to, full of the Gentiles in the place of Ephesians, or Ephesus, um, is where he um, spent some time writing his letters. And he sent this letter to them from Paul. And you know, if you've been following us, we are in Ephesians chapter two. But before I read, I want to give you a little background on where we are. Paul opens chapter one by letting us know that we got it going on, (laughs) that we have everything we need as Christians. And that God has already given us everything we need, which means we're not waiting on God to give us anything if he's already given it to us. But the issue is that Paul is letting them know that all that God has for us, he left in Christ and the adoption was left in Christ. The fact that he chose us was because of Christ. The the redemption and the forgiveness all was because of Christ. That's when we read about his immeasurable power that we see that he used. And you will even see in chapter one, you will see the triune nature of God, the the power of God through choosing us, and then the redemptive nature of his son, Jesus Christ, and then the fact that we were sealed by the promised Holy Spirit. That's all in Chapter one, and Paul just basically wanted to let the believers know that you should know that you got it going on. And if you know that you have everything you need, then maybe we should live like we got what God has left for us. But the only place that we can access it is through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And then we move on to chapter 2, to hear about the good news. And that's where we find out that we were once dead in sin... And now we've become alive in Christ. This is where Paul let us know you are saved by grace. And, and when we know that grace is everything God did to get to us. And Paul even began to paint a picture on a black backdrop, which is verse 1, 2, and 3 in chapter 2, which just simply tells us that we were dead in our trespasses, in our sins, that we walked according to the world, that we was... Um, have become children of wrath. And he was showing that all that we were. And then in verse four, I told you last Wednesday that he switched gears with a, but God and, and that, but God, that was the good news that made grace amazing. Amen. Amen. That was the good news. And, and I told you last week that most religions spend time telling you everything you need to do to get to God, but Christianity through grace, through all that Christ did, let us know that all God did to get to us. See that it is it, one thing when somebody court you and chase you, but it's something. I mean, it's something else when you do it. But it's something totally different when somebody do it to you. Watch this. Not that. I, how about I say it like this: All that we got from God, the grace that we got from God, is not because we're so good. The grace that we got from God, what Paul was showing us, is not something that we got on our own. It's not something that we got because we were good. It's something that we got because God is good. Hello, somebody. So this is where we are, where Paul reminds them, of where they were and all that God has brought them through. And now we find ourselves at verse 11, and we'll begin to read Now watch this. It it makes me believe that if God did all that he did to get us in chapter 1, why would he do all of that, choose us, adopt us, redeem us, forgive us, and give all of that to a dead people? So he knew he couldn't, so he had to make us alive in Christ, which means that being saved is not just a ticket you have to miss hell. Being saved means that there's a new life that we've decided to live. And you're going to see this new life through unity, through unification in Christ. That's what verse 11 through 22 is about, is not only did he save us and bring us out, but he saved us for a purpose. So tonight, if I had to put a a title on the text, last Wednesday, i let you know that I was amazed by grace. But this week, I want to let you know that grace has its reasons. Grace has its reasons. There are some reasons why grace had to do the things it did. There was a reason why God had to dispatch grace. There are some reasons. Now let's look at the text, verse 11 and 12. We'll just break them down as we go. Verse 11 and 12 says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God. In the world, first of all, we see Paul is doing the exact same thing he did in verse one through three. He's getting them to think back. So I, I would like to say that Paul is trying to infuse our memory to infuse our appreciation. It, isn't it amazing that he is getting us to see that you can't fully appreciate what God is doing if you can't truly understand where you was headed. Where you was going, what you was doing, and the state, you were, the state you were in. See, you can't truly embrace or appreciate grace if you think you deserve it. You can't truly appreciate grace if you think that's the least God should have did. But when you think about the fact that God did the most for people who did the least, it makes grace make sense. That's why I'm so amazed by grace. Can you think back right now to who you were? Can you think back right now to what you were doing? This is Paul making them think back right now to where you were headed. Well, I'll even say this. We don't like to do that because we tend to walk arrogantly through the should-be's and fail to recall the ought-be's. You know, we walk arrogantly in the should be's. The should be's is that I should be in a bigger house. I should have a bigger church. I should have. I should be in a bigger building. I should be in a better position. I should be in a better car. I should be in with a better degree. And we walk in the should be's as though God has, as though we're doing God a favor. But God is saying when you wake up, you need to wake up in the autobies. And if you can be truthful today, the autobies will sound like this. I ought to be dead. Oh, hello, somebody. The autobies. I, 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 ought, to be, I, I ought to be dead. And actually, ain't nothing after that. Because we were children of wrath. We were acting in sin. We had a sinful nature. We were in darkness. But God we arrogantly walk in the should have bes like he should have woke me up. But what if I tell you he laid you down with mercy and woke you up with grace? This is Paul's way of using our memory to make us remember the shape and the condition we were in when God chose us. See, it's, it's one thing to choose Michael Jordan to be on your team. You know his accolades. You know what he's good at. You know that. But it's something else to choose nobody with no name. It's something else to choose somebody that you know is wrong. Somebody you know won't work. Somebody you know don't like you. Somebody you know that don't act like you. They don't sound like you. They will not listen to you. And you die for them? This don't mean anything to nobody unless they know who God is. When we look at the text in verse 1, it talks about that he tells who the audience is. It says that he's talking to the Gentiles. Keep in mind, it's a miracle happening right here. Because Paul, which is a Jew, is writing a letter to a bunch of Gentiles. Normally, the Gentiles, you see, Steve started laughing right then because he already know. Normally, the Gentiles would simply tear up a letter coming from the Jew. The Jews and the Gentiles was like the Crips and the blood. They didn't have anything to do with one another. But here we have God sending a known Jew to write a letter to encourage a bunch of Gentiles. Verse 11 says this. That you were Gentiles in the flesh, which simply means that not only were they Gentiles in their mind, they were separate from God. They were apart, you know, because the Jews were chosen to be God's people. But the Gentiles were saying, yeah, you can believe in God, but you didn't belong to God. Okay, He says you was Gentiles in the flesh, which simply means that they were not doing godly things. They was doing things that are pleased their flesh. That's why when you look through um, at the end of Ephesians and when you look at Corinthians and when you look at Colossians, you look at Galatians, when it always talked about them being in the flesh, it talks about adultery and sinful acts and, and immorality. It talked more about them having their selfish pleasures. And he says, remember, you used to be selfish. Then it talked about the circumcision and the uncircumcision, which was made in the flesh by hands. Now, instead of diving all the way deep into that, because we can just preach that by itself. Paul right here was letting them know you were involved in spiritual acts without spiritual commitment. You got to understand, and it's still happening today, how people will say, I'll get baptized, you know, that's a spiritual act, but no spiritual commitment, which means they've made up their mind to go in the water, but they didn't make up their mind to change their lives. How many people come in the church, how many of us, I don't even want to say people, it got to be self-convicting, how many of us choose to do a spiritual act without a spiritual commitment that's attached to it. Your spiritual act should have a level of spiritual conviction, spiritual commitment. But when we get down to verse 12, he still got them remembering. He says in verse 12, there's there's five problems that they got now. They got more than five, but he just wraps it up. He says, remember, here we go again, use your past, your truthful past to remind you of where God brought you from. Can I, can I pause right here again? Can you really think through where God brought you from? <sighs> oh, my goodness. Watch this. Look at where he brought you from. He says, first of all, how, how about I just say it? He says, you, did, you had no Christ, you had no citizenship, you had no promise, you had no hope, and you had no God. Well, I like to call that a connective That they had a common connective condition. The reason why it's a common connective condition is because each condition is connected to one another, which means each condition gets worse and worse the further along you go. How about I say it like this? They had a common connected condition, which means they had no Christ. If you had no... And watch this. The reason why they had no Christ is because they did not know Christ. You will have N-O Christ if you don't K-N-O-W Christ. Okay, that's okay. I'm by myself, but that's okay too. Watch this. He says that the they first problem was they had no Christ. The second problem is because they had no Christ, they had no citizenship. See, as a citizen... In America, we have certain privileges. As a citizen in America, we get an opportunity to vote. As a citizen in America, we get an opportunity to own. See, with citizenship comes inheritance. So basically, he says, because you had no relationship with Jesus, you have no citizenship or access to anything Jesus has. But, Pastor, why is that a problem? Because God left everything he has for you in Christ. So if you don't have Christ, you have Nothing. Oh, I wish I wasn't by myself. First of all, he said they had no Christ. Then he said they had no citizenship. That's what commonwealth is. And then it says, you were strangers to the covenant of the promise. He was referring to here was the Abrahamic promise. The promise that God made to Abraham. That he will make a great nation. He says, you are so far off because you don't know Christ. You're not a part of the citizenship, and since you're not part of the family, you don't get what the family gets. OK, how about I say it like this? And Leah, our daughter, has access to our house. We are the parents. Tamara and I are the parents. We pay all the bills. And because we pay all the bills, we, she got you know, Leah have access to everything. Why? Because she got a relationship with the father. Don't worry about it. It's all right. And because her last name Bryant, she not only have a relationship with the father, she got citizenship. Okay, that's all right. And because she got citizenship, she got access. Access to what? In the Bible, it says, here I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. See, you don't need keys to the cabinet. You don't need keys to the door. All you need is keys to the kingdom. Because once you got keys to the kingdom... You got access to the door. And what I'm trying to tell you is the fact that she got keys to get in. When she walked in, she can enjoy the cool air. When she flipped the switch, a light will come on. She don't have to be in darkness. When she opened the cabinet, it's food there. Why? Because she got a relationship with the father that gives her citizenship, that gives her access. But if we don't have the father, we have no citizenship, we have no promise. And I will tell you this, he's, keep in mind, he's reminding them, this is where you were when God chose you. See, it's something different if God would have said, y'all have to do all of this in order for me to love you. And I think in our mind, Steve, that we will receive, because this is what we do, all of y'all, majority of y'all got degrees, and y'all looked at all the requirements, all the things you had to do to obtain that degree. You knew how much time you had to spend. You knew how much money you had to spend. You knew how many classes you had to take to obtain this. But what if they would have said, how about I give you the degree first? See, we have a problem with somebody giving us something that we didn't deserve because we will rather earn it so we can say it's mine. Well, grace says you can't earn it. Grace says you can't repay it. Grace wants you to respond, not repay. And if you have no Jesus, you have no citizenship, you have no promise, I promise you, you won't have no hope. And the Bible tells us we cannot walk around and respond to those who have no hope. Why? Because my hope is in Jesus. My hope is a confirmed, firm decision based on what Jesus said to me. Which means I am totally convicted and I'm absolutely convinced that I believe everything Jesus said. I believe everything he said He going to do. Everything he said he did in the past. See, I have something to hold on to. See, to, to the unbeliever, all of these words is foolishness. But to the believer, this is not foolishness. This is life. For the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Man, it's not to live on bread alone. He says that they had some common connected conditions. The common connected condition means they had no Christ. Which leads them to having no citizenship. And because they had no citizenship, they had no promise. And because they had no promise, they had no hope. And all of this was a result is that they had no God. He says that, now I'm I'm trying to paint a gruesome picture as I can. He walked through this world like there is no God. When Hebrews tell us that it is a fearful thing, a horrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God to walk this earth as God see. this is what it happens this is what happens when you intentionally sin this is what happens when you act like you don't hear what God says you are walking and living as though he does not exist but you will find out grace has its reason Now, with all that being said, I hope I painted a gruesome enough picture. Because once again, see, in chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3, he switched gears in verse 4. But in verse 11 and 12, he paints another picture, and then he switched gears in verse 13. Okay. Leah put verse 13 up. But now, okay, don't worry about it. If you got a good Bible, it'll say, shout here. (laughs) See, oftentimes as Christians, we miss our shouting cues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is a shouting cue because he just let me know that I had no Jesus. I had no citizenship. I had no promise. I had no hope. I had no God. But God, oh, my goodness. Hey, <laughs> Hello, somebody. I'm trying to make it as dark as I can so the light can be effective. He says, but now. Yeah, but now. Woo! Anybody in here got a but now? Like yesterday it was raining, but now, oh, hello, somebody. Yesterday I was in a storm, but now, watch this. Yesterday I wasn't in a storm, but now, uh, now I am. But it don't matter because I'm with Him. Yeah. Paul is encouraging them, but now. Yeah. Oh. So you got a but God moment? That means it happened in the past. But this is a present moment. I remember talking to Tanya and my wife And they all say yesterday my joints was hurt How about now? Okay don't worry about it Yesterday I had a headache But oh come on somebody But now Wait a minute He's not only telling you about the butt now He's telling you where he left the butt now Come on somebody read the screen That's it But now which means your butt won't start without him. And your butt better not move without him. Don't worry about it. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are, okay, once again, he's reminding you. But now, you who are once far off, have been brought. Okay, look at what Christ did. Look at what God did in Christ. But now in Christ, what he did brought me close. Yeah. Okay. Oh, come on, somebody. Who did he bring close? The one who didn't even know him. All right. Oh, come on now. All right. He didn't only just bring the one that didn't know him. He brought the one that wasn't even that didn't belong to him. He brought the one that didn't even have access to the promise. He brought the one that had no hope. He brought the one that knew no God. Who? Jesus. Am yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I right? He says he brought me near. He brought... But how did he... But pastor, I didn't feel the tug. That's because you ain't taking the cross serious. Because the cross has a way of tugging at you. Because he says how he brought us near. He brought us near by the... Oh my goodness. The blood. If grandmama was here, she would say the blood would never... Lose its power. It says it reaches to the highest mountain. Oh, hello, some y'all yawning. It flows to the lowest valley. All ah, hmm. oh, the blood give me strength from day to day. It will never. Hell for loose. It's power, so you can't even say power. Power. I'm talking about the blood. And when you see that Christ, when you see that cross, and you see that crown, if it don't cause a sense of conviction, you miss the point. Okay. But grace has its reasons. Here we go. Here's its reasons. Verse 13 gives us the first reason, because it saved us. Grace have its reasons. It saved us. He brought us near. It saved us. He became our peace. He saved us. Watch this. I like the fact that he didn't just send us peace. All right. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. He became peace. Can I right. Can I paint the picture? Can I paint the picture, Brother Steve? Can I paint the picture? Yeah. It, it is as though you got a hostile God over here and a disobedient people over here. Yeah. Right. And God about to put something on these disobedient people here and somebody had to step... Oh come on We had to get a step in A a, a go between Not that he was holding us off Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness Jesus came Because he was holding God off Don't worry about it That's how he saved us Early in the chapter it says We were saved By grace He let us know It was the only way you got saved It was not a work of your own this was a gift oh, from the Lord. And it says, but now in Christ Jesus who were watched far off have been brought near by the blood. Watch this. For he himself, he didn't send nobody else. He didn't do it by proxy. He said, I'm going to do it myself. See, some stuff you can't send folk to do. Amen. <laughs> he sent Paul to preach. He sent Peter to jail. He sent Joshua, I mean, He sent Joseph to prison And the pit And a palace he sent, Eli- he sent Elijah some places He sent Elisha some places But he said, ah, for this uh, I can't send nobody else He said, fine, I'm going to do it You know when the boss show up It got to be important See, it's one thing for Steve to send one of his employees. Yeah. Oh, but it's something totally different when Steve from State Farm show up. Yeah. <laughs> it's something totally different. Yeah. Because God says couldn't nobody. He couldn't send nobody else. Mm. For he himself is our peace. Yeah. Who has made us both one. Oh, oh This is Paul. Paul is letting you know. He didn't just make you one with him. He made. Oh, hello. Uses. One with him. And look at what else he did. How did he make us one? He has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Let, Let me stop right here. Let me give you a little history of the temple. The way the temple was built. There was actually uh, in the center a dividing wall. It was called the court of the Gentiles. And the Gentiles could not enter into the temple with the Jews. There was a wall that divided them. And you know when somebody tells you you can't do something, it will build some hostility. And... If they breached that wall and went around that wall, it was a sign that let them know that the penalty for passing this wall was death. Somebody had to die. So what Jesus did, he said, fine, I'll die. And when he died, he removed the wall. And what he was doing was, he says, everybody is welcome in the temple. See, he became the temple. He became the... Oh, my goodness. He removed what divided us. Pastor, what are you talking about? He brought together two people that hated each other. Oh, this is not talking about us and God. This is talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. Because it was believed that the Jews, who said they was the people of God belonged to God, they was better than the Gentiles but the Gentiles hated the Jews, the Jews hated the Gentiles, but God is saying it's no room for that in my house I abolished those laws and I became the temple oh hello somebody, so when you come to serve me, you will come when you come to serve him, you will come in me don't worry about it grace has it Grace has its reasons. First reasons was to save us. Second reasons was to unify us. This is what I was just talking about. Now please understand that Christ said this. Oh Jesus. Christ says this. That when I die. See back in the days when you went into the temple. No one can go into the holies of holies. But one day a year. And that was the high priest. But for the rest of the time, they were praising a God that was behind a veil. But now, see that? But now. But Jesus says that you won't be in a building looking for God, you will be in a building in the midst of God praising his holy name, bringing together one, which means whatever differences you have won't matter when you're in Christ. Hello, somebody. He called us to be unified, not uniformed. See, uniformity means we, you know, we robots. No, he's saying that, yeah, you were raised different. Yeah, you came from different places, but you can serve that same God. And when you serve that same God, he's letting you know one of the requirements that will show that you love me is how you treat me. Oh, It sounds like, Pastor, it sounds like you're preaching them old sermons that you've been preaching. Talking about keeping the main thing the main thing. Yes, one of the things we have to do to please God is love ye one another. Amen. It did not say for us to love those that we like. Right. He actually says, what have you gained? Right. I know Steve loved me. And I love Steve. I gained a brother when I first met him. Mm-hmm. But what I'm doing now? What about those that hate me because I'm black? Can I love them, too? Oh, hello, somebody. I'm talking about that same love that God loved us with. See, we are called unified in Christ. How about I just read the text? um, You know what? Colossians 2. You don't have to go there. I'll read it to you. You can write it down. Colossians 2, verse 13 and 14 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses. Now, we already know what trespasses are, right? Trespasses are when you cross the line. When you veer into territory that you should not be. A trespass is a, spe- a specific act. And you know, many of us are perpetual line crossers that we continue to cross lines and enter into places as Christians we should not be. Now, in your flesh, you think you can be anywhere. See, that's what the problem here right now. We got these people that's all the way free. That's so free that they refuse to even put a mask on that'll save somebody like that, that. Okay, don't worry about it. And you who were dead in your trespasses. That's why they don't care, because they dead. Okay. And the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together in him, having forgiven all uh, having forgiven us all. Our trespasses. Watch this. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us Thank you Lord. with its legal demands, this he set aside and nailed it to the cross. This is how he unified us. He nailed our racial divide yeah. to the cross. Yeah, yeah. He nailed impartiality to the cross. In James, it, taught, it spoke against impartiality through economic status when they was talking about a a rich man came into the temple and he got a good seat but then when a poor man came they told him to sit at the rich man's feet or stand in the back james said there should be no impartiality this is why jesus is saying that he wants to unite us oh but i got something else to show you in ephesians chapter one Verse 10, it says, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ. This was the plan the whole time, was to unite all things. And the way to unite all things is in Christ. And because he put all things in Christ, that's why all things got to work. All right, yeah. Yeah. Y'all know we like that all things work together. No, all things only work because of where he put them. All right. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. Grace has a way of removing barriers. Grace says that I know you hate me because I'm black, but I can love you because I'm his. Oh. Oh. Glory. Oh. Glory. You can hate me because I'm black, but I'm going to love you because I'm his. Oh, yeah. And I pray that the love I have from him Supersede the black you see on my skin. Alright. Wow, okay. All right. But how about I just say he unified us for the simple fact we got more in common than we got in differences. Or oh, I can give you one thing we got in common. For we all sin. Okay. Alright For we all sin. Right. Everything after Adam sin. And has fallen short, which means I don't care how rich, how big your house is, how many degrees you got on the wall, how many secretaries it takes to get to you, how many people in your church, yeah. it, how, whatever side, it don't matter. You have sinned, which means if we all sinned, we all needed that same grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. My God. My God. He, grace has its reason. Thank you for your grace, It saved us. It has, it unified us. And watch this, grace was able to remove the barriers that we created. Yeah. Grace has removed the barriers between each other as well as the barriers between, between us and God. But what if I tell you, you won't have access to God? If you haven't removed the barriers here on earth, mm-hmm. amen. Oh, the great commandment I give to you is that you love the Lord your God with all your body, soul, mind, and strength. Yes. And the second commandment is just as important all right. yeah. that you want to love ye. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, one another. Yeah. How can you say you've loved me whom you have not seen? Right. But yet, you, come on now. Yeah, yeah. If you think you're going to skip over loving me and go straight to God, you have been deceived. Oh, how about I tell you like this? If you can't love me, you can't go. I'm just keeping it real. Okay. <laughs> this is Jesus saying now that there is a new temple. And if Pastor Hood was here, he would say, with grace is how God made it do what it do. That's what my pastor would be saying. That's, the, that's Larry Hood right there. Grace is how he made it do what it do. How he made it unify us. How he used grace to tear down racial divide, economic divide. Why? Because our minds should be stayed on the things above. Our minds are called to be unified, that we got one purpose. Our purpose here is to seek the lost at any cost. Our perfect here, oh, plug, our our purpose here is to live in a way that they'll believe what you say. So when you tell them that gospel message, they will receive it, and your lifestyle won't be in the way or turned up so loud that they can't hear what you're saying about God. That's why he left us here. And how, How about I just go to Romans real quick? I promise I won't, I won't keep you long. Romans 11 basically says it the best. Romans eleven seventeen says, but if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but it's the root that support you oh he says remember I've removed some branches and grafted you in which means you wasn't in there at first and you didn't do anything to get in there I chose you for you did not choose me isn't that what the Bible says you're a peculiar people a chosen generation come on come on somebody that- that's Bible but it says don't get so big headed don't get so arrogant to think come on now that's my wife's favorite verse Because one thing I do know is that everyone that exalt themselves shall be humbled. And all those that humble themselves shall be exalted. And what God is saying, when you humble yourself to serve others, I'll unify you. Not just with the people, but with my father. That was the reason why I went to the cross. Grace. Grace grace has its reasons. His reason was to save us. His reason was to unify us. Ooh, I don't even want to get to my last point yet. Watch this. Can I, can I read verse 17, Leah? Amen. Can I read verse 17? Amen. <laughs> he came, who? Jesus. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace. To those who were near. Oh my goodness. It says he came and preached peace. Okay, what peace? His peace basically was saying, This is the this is what I offered to God for you. That you may have peace in him. Because I've stayed his wrath. And because God now no longer has wrath for you because of me can you no longer have wrath for them because of me see that's what grace is that's what that good work is that good work is simply saying i'm not working so i can be saved i'm simply working because i am this is my way of showing god gratitude for what he did for me oh my goodness says that he preached peace. Verse 18, for through him, now, here we go, for through him, we both, here, here go Paul again. Paul basically saying, you can't leave me out. Why is it significant that Paul keeps including or inserting himself in this sermon, in this lesson? Because you got to remember later on in, in, in another book that Paul says that he was the greatest of sinners. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah. He was the worst of them, right? Yeah, yeah. So if God did it for the worst, yeah, mm-hmm. right. yeah, yeah. My God. see, it may be some in here that got a sin meter that's greater than the other. Oh, oh but if God, oh, hello, somebody, oh, no. that's why I tell folks, oh, well this pastor did, this, how you gonna believe? him well, if God can fix him, all right, all right, don't worry about mm. it. All right, mm. that's good. Not if I mess up, but when. Because grace got its reasons. But you know, grace needs a stage though. Grace needs a stage. The grace that he offered the blind man, he had to wait until he got an audience. The man that couldn't even walk, he built an audience. It says that they all knew that he was a beggar, that he was paralyzed. And God waited just perfectly until everybody could see him and then gave him grace. And the man stood up. And it says that he walked by and everybody was looking. And then it even says the Sanhedrin said that they couldn't even deny what God did because the man who couldn't walk was standing in front. Of, oh, hello, somebody. God, his grace, need an audience. Jesus didn't die on the cross with no one there. Hallelujah. Oh can I can I tell you how bold Grace can be too? I know I I'm I'm sorry y'all I'm off my back. Can I tell you how bold Grace can be? Grace can tell you its plan knowing you can't stop it. Okay, don't worry. When when Grace said yeah I'ma die, when when Grace said yeah I'ma be buried. But on the third day, I'm going to get up. Oh, set your soldiers in front of the tomb. That ain't got nothing to do with my power. Isn't it amazing that they put him in a grave? And in the Hebrews it said, they put him in a grave and the grave couldn't hold him. Not because the grave was too small, because the grave was powerless. That the grave wasn't his resting place. Oh, wasn't it beautiful when he said that, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do and I'm going to see if you can stop it. And even though the soldiers was there, the Two. Don't worry about it. Come on now, come on, come on, come on now. I'm Not only, <laughs> y'all leave me alone. Grace has its reason. Grace saved us. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Grace. Unified us. Last but not least, grace built us. Woo! Oh, Steve, you're going to like this one. Oh, Daddy, you're going to like this one. My father's last name is Taylor. And a lot of times, all the Taylor boys say they're tough because of, their grand, because of their father's Big Daddy Taylor. And all of them say, don't worry, we'll be fine because we tailor-made. We tailor-made. But something built the tailors. Mm. Don't worry about it. He used grace to build us. Okay. Just read the scripture, Pastor. So then, you are no longer strangers. Whoa! So then sounds just like, but now. Okay. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, Why does that make any sense? Because a couple of verses up, it says we were strangers and aliens, correct? Right. But now we are no longer that. Why? Because we are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God built the house that was what? Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What do you mean? What is the apostles and the prophets foundation? The preached word. Yeah. See, a lot of us want to live in that gated community. You know, we say the gates of hell. So, you know, hell is a gated community. Don't worry about it. Y'all don't dial up. That's okay. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The foundation of the apostles and the prophets, they were all sent out with the word of God to attract God's people. We heard what Ezekiel did on Sunday. We saw how God sent Jeremiah out to preach warnings to the people. We saw how God used um, David to teach. We saw how God sent Paul out, how God sent his disciples out. He says, I'm going to build the foundation on what I sent them with. Yeah, yeah. The word. Pastor, how do you know is the word? Because you can't build a building without a cornerstone. Mm -hmm. Jesus, Christ Jesus himself being the, come on, on, a cornerstone simply means it's something that everything stands on. Mm -hmm. It's something that supports everything. (laughs) He says, because of grace, I built you. because of the word I sent you based on the word I sent you okay I missed you in the beginning was the word and the word was God okay the word became flesh Logos John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he he gave his own to son. okay so God sent his son yeah yeah that's grace. That's a foundation. Yes. Jesus sent the apostles. God sent his son, which is the word. Jesus sent the apostles with the word. The church is going to be built based on the word. amen. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's why if you got a church that's center focus is not the word of God, y'all, y'all ain't even a congregation. Y'all a crowd. <laughs> a crowd of friends. We must realize that if Christians and churches are not operating as they're supposed to, it is most likely because they have insufficient views of the cross. The cross is why we are. The cross is what we are. The cross is the price that was paid for us. That's what communion is. Those three elements that he says as often as you do this, do this under remembrance of me. The bread represents his body the cup was the new covenant and the blood was the cost. That's the design. Okay. Verse 21. In whom the whole structure is being joined together. Wait a minute. So not only is it being built on, (laughs) the supporting functions of it is still him. Mm -hmm. This is why you can shout because Jesus removed the fact that you no longer have to shout to a veil. You can actually enter into his presence. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. But it's only because I saved you. Right. It's only because I saved you so I can unite you. And once I unite enough of you together, I will build you. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. It's not until he began to unite unlike folks and make them like folks in him he's making a new race not the black race or the white race or hispanic or whatever your ethnicity may be no he's making god's people god's people don't matter what color you are oh my goodness God's people don't matter. I don't know about you, but it's stressful being black. I can imagine it's stressful being other colors too, but but but, but it ain't stressful being God's people. All right. Oh, because we all the same in God's people. We all have fallen short. We all have needed mercy. We all have needed grace. We all need his love. We all need him to prepare a place. We all. It's searching, searching for that house that was not built with hands. Last slide. How about I say, well, let me go and read the rest of this. He joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together in the dwelling place of God. Uh-oh, by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Last slide. And I'm done. Here, grace has its reasons to save us. I don't know if you wrote that down, but right save us, and underline the S. He unified us and he built us. Okay. God became our God. Sent His Son to be our Sub. <laughs> oh, y'all don't believe me. Mark ten and forty five says. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Romans 5 and 6 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God called an audible. Instead of killing me, he called in a sub. Amen. Uh, Amen. He looked down the bench. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. He was looking at the condition of what was going on. Yeah. And he saw the people on the floor could not do or could not run the play that he called for us to run. We were in the midst of losing against the opposing team. He saw that we were down on the scoreboard. He looked on the bench and called in a sub. When his sub came, he says, I don't need nobody on the floor but me. <laughs> Why? Because he took all of my sins. He became me on that cross. He didn't just die for me. He died as me. And all of my sins were paid. God called in a sub. Whoa, what a sub he called. Oh, how good he was. Oh, the precious name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus is good. Yes, Jesus is real. Jesus. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm happy today yeah. to know that grace. Yes, Watch this. Grace I'm I'm, I'm 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 done. But grace is sufficient. It's which. Sufficient. which